Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. You uh, out of the book of Luke, and I just want to do that right now. So we should have the scripture up for you. And uh, right in the lead up to Christmas, it was nice to have a carol today. Hey, I'm liking. Who thinks? Who's liking that? We're starting carols earlier. I like that. So uh, let's let's keep that happening. But um, in Luke chapter two, verse one to three, it says here. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar, from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing in Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. I love the Bible. It doesn't start with, <laughs> throughout the Bible, it doesn't start within a galaxy far, far away. Or once upon a time, doesn't start with that. It starts with, and it came to pass. And it came to pass. Reminding us all that God has a plan for your life. When you're following Him, if you're putting Him first, it's not about a galaxy far, far away or once upon a time. It's not a fairy tale. God's plan for your life and God's plan for His church is that it will come to pass in His timing in those days. God's got days for you. But you uh, can I encourage everybody to be asking Him, Lord, what is your will? Not, Lord, here is my will. (laughs) But Lord, what is your will? And let God bring to pass in those days His plan and purpose for you. In this passage, it's really, really powerful. Just, uh, you know, a couple of verses. But in these verses... uh, God was about to change the course of history. And he was about to use somebody who was not a believer in him as well. I love that. God will use who he wants to use. And so he chooses to use Caesar Augustus to take a census. It was for taxation assessment of the whole province. And he stirs him to uh, do that and basically by decide to take this taxation assessment of the whole province everybody would need to return to their hometown and uh, so God was about to do something that would change all of history through an ungodly <laughs> Caesar who would tell everybody to return to their homes and because of that uh, Joseph would uh, take Mary and they would start a journey, not by Uber, uh, not uh, by plane. They would start a journey on a donkey. Girls, aren't you glad that you're pregnant in Perth in 2023? But they would start a journey on a donkey to Bethlehem uh, in line with that census. And also because uh, Joseph had also had a, a, a dream, you know, And he knew that uh, God was in the whole deal. Him and Mary were betrothed. And she was having a baby after the Holy Spirit has come upon her and she's conceived by the Holy Spirit. So Joseph is now following God's plan and he, he is now being 
pushed in the direction of Bethlehem by an ungodly uh, Roman leader. Everybody, well, firstly, here's the thought that uh, God wants to bring to all of us again, is that the will of God is not always comfortable. The will of God for your life is not always comfortable. There's something about the culture of the world, which everything's kind of about our comfort, yet the Scripture is the will of God is not always comfortable. And Mary was about to discover that because her Uber, the donkey, was going to be taking her, some people say up to 140 kilometres, she was uh, riding on that donkey to Bethlehem where she would give birth. Girls, can you imagine? No. No. So you're all like, the hospital system's looking a little better. So she had a long distance journey and so she was in the will of God, but it was not always comfortable. I'll just actually touch on that for a minute because the Christmas story, which is to give us the history of Jesus coming to to earth and his birth, but it's also got within it truths for you and I to glean in regards to God's calling on your life and in regards to how God works in your life. And... um, and I, I love it when Josh Greenwood was here because uh, Josh said a statement to some of our leaders, which is the normal Christian life will always incur tension. You will always have tension in your life is the normal Christian life. And uh, it will always be so. And he was talking to our leaders, uh, I think it was in the afternoon we had with him. And, uh, and I thought that was such a wise thing to say because most people in their life are trying to remove every tension so that they feel completely, all my tensions are removed. But if you're going to firstly grow in your life, if you're going to grow, there will be tension uh, in your spiritual life to grow. And uh, at the, depending on the level of your age and your time as a Christian and various factors, the tensions are different. It's like when you go to the gym. Anybody go to the gym right now? Anybody been this year, took out a membership, went once? Who's been? <laughs> a couple of honest people. <laughs> so, but when you go to the gym, right, to grow externally, your body, you are watching people around you at the gym. Uh, oftentimes, uh, you'll see people and they have been dealing with a lot of tension in order to change their body shape and in order to get the size and get the shape and get, you know, uh, and what you do is you don't go and work out next to the, you go down a bit, yeah. So, but they are, they are dealing with tension in order for their external body to grow and to shape. And that's how they are building their body and growing and shaping their body and changing. The same is true on the inside, on the inside, just so you know. You will always have tension as a believer to change and to grow, always. If you try and remove it, you're removing God. You try and remove it, you're removing His hand on your life. Because you just saw me, you know, saying yes to God with Tenacious House, which I did not want to say yes, because already I was very busy, already I had a lot of responsibility. And already we had so much going on. And then God says, do this. Well, guess what that is? Tension. There's a tension to grow, a tension to change, 
attention to make room in my heart and thinking for God. Yeah. I have to make room in my heart and thinking for God to go, oh, look, Lord. And as you heard me, I told the Lord graciously and gently, oh, Lord, I think you can do that yourself because <laughs> it won't be me. And then the Lord kind of taps graciously, but makes His, his voice is soft and strong. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Yes. It's soft and strong. And then the, the voice of the Lord gets stronger, still soft, still gracious. But no, I want you to do this. No, I want you to give me that. Right now, some of us are at a place where we're a Christian and we've, been, we've allowed things into our lives that we've got used to. And then God will say to us, uh, you need to give me that. You need to surrender that to me. And, why, and what it might be is unaddressed attitude that God leaves with you for, oh wow, 20 years, and then says, you know that attitude? Uh, could you give me that now? Tension. And the Lord says, hey, I want to move you forward. I want you to know me more. I want you to know me at a deeper level. But that's going to happen when you give me that. <laughs> so everybody here has got a that, but it's different. <laughs> Your that may be... You know, it may be things in a relationship, you know, how you're treating somebody right now. Maybe it's your attitude about how you're being treated, but in the middle of it, the Lord's at work in your character through that treatment. And you're saying, Lord, I want this and I want that. And the Lord's saying, yeah, I know you do, but right now I want this. Because God's wanting to grow us in order for us to be who He's called us to be. And to carry and have what He's called us to have. So everybody, you need to know, if you're going to be a Christian and follow Christ, there will always be tension. If you want to be religious, you can remove the tension. Because religion is just, I just go to church and I do my thing. It's been good. (laughs) I acknowledge God uh, by going to a service. But you're undermining what God wants which is so important is firstly that you know Him. Yes. Jesus wants you to know Him. So like I'm talking about the gym, if you're going to a biblical church, a biblical church, because there's a lot that aren't, they're religious. Or in our lifetime, motivational centres where I watch pastors actually step around the Word of God to make people all feel comfortable at the gym. Wow. <laughs> they hand you back the 10 kilo bar when God's saying it's time to lift a little bit more grow a bit more so so everybody don't be trying to get rid of tension as a Christian there'll always be tension because just when I thought I'd grown God says hey look uh, you know when I was at the end of my teen years he said yeah I want you to start tithing now what (laughs) what do you mean well tithing's uh, a principle in my word eternal principle from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, It's a starting point for believers in their giving. What? (laughs) Tension. Am I going to apply the principle or am I going to bypass the principle? And so so all the time you make here, you know, will I apply? Will I bypass? Will I apply? Will I bypass? Now, the only thing is when you bypass, you don't grow. And And the really, the most challenging thing is you actually don't come ever to understand Jesus, who he really is, and what he's done for you. You, don't, you miss what he's really done for you. 
and you, your understanding is just limited to such a, it's limited to the package you put God in. You have your own God package. Whereas for the person who's following Christ, <laughs> uh, you're getting on a donkey, going 140 Ks in total discomfort so that God's will can be done. And for Mary, that will would bless her too, right? Everybody, once again, be reminded, even as you give and as you grow and as you uh, live with tension, you'll be blessed. But here's the thing. The children of Israel didn't enter into the promised land, not because God didn't want them to. They were meant to be on a... Bible theologian says it was actually 11 days to the promised land. You have a promised land in your life. You ready? It's emotional. For Christians, here's the promised land. It's emotional. It's relational. It's spiritual. It's physical. It is financial. Some of you said amen to that. Um, And it is also territorial. Sue and I have gone to the promised land and that our three boys that we prayed our children would serve God. We had to model that, by the way. We had to model serving God. And that was imperfect. But we gave God our best. We gave Him. And then we had to model service in the kingdom. So that our boys would, one, want to know Christ because they saw Him in us. Then they would want to enter into service. Why? Because if your children aren't serving God, they can't get into destiny. You cannot get into destiny if you don't start service in the house. If you're not in service in that, you can't. It's impossible. Because service in the house of God develops your character, heart, and thinking, and spirit for service in the community. And so there'll always be attention. And God will go, come on. And that's what he's, you know, that's what you're seeing here. And uh, it's that, you know, the tension. And then even with you saw in that video, I had to change what? My attitude. So for me to go to the promised land of Tenacious House, which I'm so blessed for what's happened. And uh, so is the team who've all been a part of it. It's not, it's not, you know, I started with God working on me as he does in the senior pastor, but there's a whole team involved. But we're all so blessed now by what God has done and to see so many men given opportunity. We're so blessed. But one of the things I had to do was change my attitude. So you think, Pastor Jared, you've been a pastor a long time. Yeah, still need to change my attitude. We'll do today. We'll do tomorrow. And so the children of Israel, what was an 11-day journey, ended up being 40 years walking in a circle. 40 years. Because they never changed their attitude. It was a circle. Then they took the children on the circle. Come with me on the circle, children. (laughs) Come with us. Let's go in circle. We're never effective. We weren't in the will of God. It was always confusion. And then we took the grandchildren. Grandchildren, get on. Come on. (laughs) Join the circle with us. Oh my gosh, look over there. There's more sand. Everybody, that's not meant to be your life. That's not meant to be what you hand to your children. That's not meant what you're meant to hand to your grandchildren. You're meant to hand them panoramic new views that you uh, discover because of the change of attitude. Understanding the Christian life will always have tension. I don't think God is going to let me off the tension until I go to glory. (laughs) Right? 
Because the call of God doesn't leave any of us. It doesn't go. So I'm sure the Lord will say, hey, now. Um, you know, I'll be like, hey, let's go skiing, Lord, for the rest of my life. And I've got a feeling he's going to say, hey, let's not. <laughs> because God's called us. He's called us. And my life doesn't belong to me. My life doesn't belong to me. If you're a believer, your life doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. And then God makes sure that you get the skiing in. Amen. My ski buddy's down the front here. Yeah. So everybody, get used to tension. Tension to forgive. Some of the greatest things that you could ever do to, to help alleviate your tension would be to apologize. Some of the greatest things you could do to alleviate the tension that you right now, many times we're carrying tension, apologize firstly to God. Firstly to God. I'm glad I've never had to do that. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. <laughs> Even now. <laughs> Tomorrow morning. Sorry, Lord. <laughs> Apologize, everybody. Really good words. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. And then tell the people that you need to tell, I'm sorry. Yeah. How many people are in the wilderness just because they can't say sorry for things they've done? And also in church, things they've done. In the house of God, outside of church, in the workplace, in our relationships, in your marriage, to your kids. How many aren't in the will of God, aren't in the promised land or going there because they just, I was going to say can't, hang on, won't say sorry. You need to say, Lord, I've misread the situation, Lord. (laughs) Willingly. (laughs) Willingly. And say, Lord, help me to say sorry to people. And even people you're doing life with in the kingdom. Many people lost maybe some precious relationships or precious things that God was trying to do just because they would not bring those words, I'm sorry, into their life. And everybody who never had their parents say sorry, we struggle to say sorry. But here's the good thing. Here's the good news. This was so powerful. One of the times in my life when I was really uh, just reaching out to the Lord, Uh, about some of my stuff that happened in my childhood, God apologized to me in my prayer time. I felt God said to me, I'm sorry for what happened to you. God said to me, I hurt when you hurt from what I went through with my parents, you know. So you need to know God apologizes. He's sorry for what you went through. He didn't do it, but he's sorry for what you went through. So everybody, apology. So... The will of God is not always comfortable, yet you many times are in the will of God when it's uncomfortable. Mary, Joseph, Mary be going, what on earth is God doing, Joseph? This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. How many times have we said that to God? This is ridiculous. And God says, just stay on the donkey. 
or, or to, the, to the wives, just stay with the donkey. <laughs> stay with him. <laughs> I'm getting you somewhere. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's right for everybody who's got uh, all the wives. They're working with their husbands as they go. And at times we, we feel like this is ridiculous. And God's like, just keep going. And know that God will use even the ungodly to move you into position for His will. God will use an ungodly situation. Caesar Augustus is being used here through a taxation census to position Joseph and Mary in the right place for the birth of Jesus. Everybody, God will use your workplace. He'll use your boss you don't like. That's not my stuff. That's God will... God will use people you work with. God will people you work under. God will use somebody you didn't ask God about a business deal. God will use that person to purify you. <laughs> Who was it? What did the Bible say? I don't know if you saw the scripture. Moab is my washbowl. In the scripture, the Bible says that Moab, their enemy, was their cleanser. Your enemy may not be your enemy. And your friend may not be your friend. So we need to say, Lord, help me to see again with new eyes as to actually who are you? you, Who is the Caesar Augustus that I'm speaking against? But in actual fact, they're positioning me to where God, you will give some birth to something new in my life. (laughs) There's a Caesar Augustus at play in some people's lives right now. You're like, ah, that person, that situation. And uh, the Lord's like, yeah, I'm using that situation right now to position you because I want to birth something new in your life. And you're like, Lord, is it amazing? Is it incredible? Is it an international ministry? He's like, no, it's humility. He goes, we'll get to the other one. We'll get there. We'll get to that. But right now I'm working on humility. The way up in God is sometimes the way down. (laughs) <laughs> so here's another thought to everybody God's will is not always easily understood but I bet Joseph and Mary when they were like oh my gosh we're being sent to Bethlehem they would have known the scripture in Micah talking about you know um, God's son being born in Bethlehem they must have started losing their mind going oh my gosh Caesar Augustus is sending us to Bethlehem what the Micah chapter was it Micah 5 verse 2 we're being posit- oh my gosh we're being sent there they must have started to lose their mind. But for many of us, God's will is not always easily understood. But everybody just understand this in God's word. I love it, Isaiah 55. It says, his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His thoughts are higher. His ways are higher than yours. God actually says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. God says, my worst thought... <laughs> is your best thought on a great day. (laughs) My worst thought is your greatest thought. (laughs) God's ways are higher. God's thoughts are higher. And God sees the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. And sometimes His will is not easily understood or discerned. And so I want to encourage everybody, when you don't know what God is saying or doing, stop talking. Stop talking and start thanking Him. Lord, I'm, I'm confused. I'm not sure what's happening. 
Lord, but I give you praise and I give you honour in advance for what you will do in me, firstly, in me. (laughs) Husbands and wives, in me, Lord, firstly. And, uh, and everybody, I want to encourage you now, if you've come out of a life too where it's been erratic, um, some of you struggle in the Christian life because now it's suddenly losing its erraticness. <laughs> where, don't raise your hand. I know you're in the building, but I had a lot of friends who are crisis addicted. When I got saved, I was only used to crisis. And crisis, I was crisis addicted because that's how my childhood was. The cops were at the window. My father was trying to fight with my brother. Um, there was always a drama. So though it was horrendous, I was never bored. <laughs> Absolutely horrendous, but never bored. Because there was always a crisis. There was always something going on. There was always a drama. And, uh, and so when I got, and you know, and, and fear-based living will cause you to be uh, always, you know, there's always something happening and you end up running on adrenaline like this, right? It's <laughs> just adrenalized. Well, then I become a Christian and then I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a little boring. <laughs> it's a little bit boring. It's kind of a bit, very peaceful, isn't it? Very quiet. And I said to the Lord, I don't know if I can do this. And the Lord said, yeah, you can. And I went, yeah, but it's a bit, you know. And then God said to me, you know what it is? It's healthy. This is what healed looks like. This is what healthy looks like. This is what uh, the normal life I've designed you for is like. It's called peaceful. It's peaceful inside and it's peaceful outside. Unless there's, you know, unless you're starting Tenacious House. It's peaceful. (laughs) And you're just losing it on the inside. Anyway. But God said, God was trying to teach me, hang on, all the things that you're used to and is normal in your childhood are not normal in my kingdom. They are not normal in how I've created you. So, and then 1 Corinthians 14, 33, look at this. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Joseph and Mary are like, oh my gosh, Micah 5, 2 is coming to pass. And even though it's uncomfortable, I'm sure they had a peace. I'm sure they were at peace. This is very uncomfortable, but we have a peace because God is in it and God is leading us right now. Can I encourage everybody who's crisis addicted, don't start looking for another crisis. Don't start looking for one. Your Christian life is not boring. It's being, your life is being healed. God is healing your emotions, healing your mind, healing your heart, bringing peace. Quiet is good. Not just on the outside, but on the inside. But we're not talking negative stuff to ourselves and then all over the place. God is not a God of confusion. He's a God of peace. 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 So in line with that, can I just encourage you there, watch out for... Uh, the random and the peace robbers. <laughs> Watch out for people who just bring randomness to your life all the time. Some people are just random. Um, do, you, do you love the random relative who just rocks up suddenly from another state or country and you're like, oh, hi, at the front door. And uh, it's, you know, it's um, fun and weird. Anyway. <laughs> But in our lives, right, just watch out because it's amazing how you start going for God and then there are even believers around you who 
they're not quite at the place of wanting you to have peace because they've not been at peace yet. So there are even believers who will come and take your peace. There are people who just bring random. Everybody, God doesn't do random. He's line upon line. In the Old Testament, God's line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, doesn't do random. It's, there's amazing how many Christians suddenly just doing something totally random and people go, oh my gosh, amazing, it's God. I'm like, I've had the most random crisis addicted life, which God's worked to get me out of. And then I watch Christians do something random, crazy, and people are like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I'm like, no, you still haven't dealt with your own. <laughs> so you're drawn to that. Who are you drawn to? I'm sure Mary wanted to get off the donkey, but she wasn't drawn to some, hey, let's go over here. Hey, Joe, <laughs> come over here. Now she had peace and follow through that God's in this. And she didn't, and you don't read the Bible. And Mary decided to have a random, she thought she'd go and have a girls hang out and start a clothing store <laughs> called Joe and Mary. And uh, God was in it and it was amazing and it would go on and sell throughout all the time. Like, no, she's do, the, do what I'm told to do. Yeah. Yeah. Be focused, line upon line, time. Right? That's why we need people around us who aren't random, yeah. who aren't crisis addicted. Yeah. They're a bit boring. <laughs> I'm being humorous. They're not living in fear. You need those people around you, everybody. Don't be afraid of those people. And don't be afraid of people who do line upon line yeah. because they're the people who are going to help you get free. Because I've been out of control and then now have, I, soon, soon I pretty well live line upon line, pretty well, I think. <laughs> pretty well. Well, it's funny how I'll get around people who are where I used to be and get into their life and suddenly they're like, oh my gosh, because I'm pushing up in them breakthrough that I now have and I'll push their crisis addiction up. <laughs> it's like, what happened? I just came near you. What you break, break through in and what you get freedom in won't always bless everybody because you may be used by God to push their lack of freedom up in them so that they can see it and then begin to address it. So can I encourage you, look at people who've got breakthrough in the areas of peace. How did you get that peaceful life? How did you get a job? How did you stay in a job beyond one year? How did you stay in a church? How did you stay in friendships? How, how, did you, how did you do that? How did you not wreck it with a crisis? Ask people, get around people and uh, you watch what God will do. Everybody, we need God's wisdom, God's ways. Proverbs 16.2 says, All the ways of a man or a woman are clean and innocent in their own eyes. <laughs> and he may see nothing wrong with his actions, but the Lord weighs and examines the motives and intents of the heart and knows the truth. Proverbs 16, 2, the Bible says they're all the ways of man and woman. They're clean. We think, man, my, what I do is good. It's innocent. It's great because I'm doing it. And God says that He may see nothing wrong in His or her actions, but the Lord weighs and examines your motive, your intent. What's re- why, why are you really doing this? What are you really up to? <laughs> why are you doing that? Why are you not doing that? God's motives, God's thinking, why are you doing that? Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to be, why are you doing that? What's, what's the thing? 
Some people with ministry and pastoring, it's amazing. Sue and I tried for 20 years to get off the stage. We didn't want to be leading on the stage. We wanted to be not doing something else. And I just watched the amount of people who want to be on a stage leading people. I'm like, what is that about? (laughs) Don't do it if God doesn't call you to it and make a way for you to do it. So He weighs the motives. Why do you want to be on stage? Why do you want to be a pastor? Why do you want to be a leader? Why do you want that? Why would you do that? Is it about you or is it about Him? Is it about you or is it about them? And if you make it about them, then God will see to it that you probably end up doing what He's called to do if you're called to ministry. Last one. The Bible also says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the way thereof is death. That's a huge scripture, Proverbs 14, I think. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to you, but ultimately it's destructive. Emotionally, people's relationships, financially. We need to say, Lord, help me to do it, not my way, God. I don't want to wreck it, but to do it your way. And the last thing says of Mary, right? When uh, Jesus was finally born, she had Simeon declare, this is the Saviour of the world. And she looked on and the Bible says that Mary, I love it, says that Mary, she uh, pondered all these things in Luke 2. In her heart, she pondered all these things. Mary gives birth to the Saviour of the world and the Bible says she's not like, look what I did, everybody. Oh my gosh, I really feel called to do this. I feel like it's my destiny. I should have been the mother. I knew they were going to pick me. I knew God would come to me because I've always felt called to do this. And really, and you know, the donkey was a bit rough. I should have got a better donkey than that. You know, really. But I was called. And isn't it amazing? And look, it's the start of my ministry. It's the start. It's going to be incredible. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and she doesn't do that. The Bible says, she ponders. She's hearing everything they're saying about Jesus. She's not speaking. She's not talking. And she's pondering, which means to consider something deeply, consider something thoroughly, meditate. It's the same as the word ruminate. You know, the cow and sheep, is it four stomachs or something? And they just chew the cut, you know, just chew it over. Mary stopped and just pondered who Jesus was, what had happened, who she'd just given birth to. She's a teenage girl. She's not speaking. She's pondering. Everybody, wisdom ponders. Wisdom is slow to speak. Wisdom doesn't jump to conclusions. Wisdom is like, what's happening here? Lord, what are you saying? Lord, what are you doing? Help me, Lord, to just sit, be peaceful, God. God, speak to me in your timing. But help me, Lord, right now to be faithful. Help me to be quiet. Help me to be consistent. And Lord, as I am, Father, I pray that you lead me and guide me and show me what I'm to do next. What's the next step? The next step. And then Luke 1, she said, Jesus gives birth to Jesus and says, My God and my Saviour my God and my Saviour. Mary acknowledges that she has just given, can you believe it, birth to the Saviour of the world. Everybody, God's got a plan for you. God's got a plan for His church. But we just need to realise the will of God is not always comfortable, yet you're in the will of God. As Joseph and Mary were, God can use anybody. He can use somebody in the world 
somebody ungodly, He can use an ungodly Caesar to actually position you. And the third one is just learn to ponder. Don't jump on board too quick with things. Slow down because God might be about to say or do something that may just surprise you currently, but down the track will surprise you with blessing. The donkey journey was worth it, right? Girls, Mary would have been, oh my gosh, all of that was worth it because I've just given birth to my God and my Saviour. Everybody, what are you going to give birth to when you don't try and remove the tension, but you begin to understand and say, Lord, show me what that tension for growth is about. Help me not to remove it, God, but help to come forth from my life. Firstly, those things in my character that you're trying to grow and bring forth, but also, Lord, the ministry that you want me to be involved in, both here in the house and then out of the house. Can somebody at Global Heart Church say a big amen? Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.